0: Hello and welcome to the week two podcast of our power ratings over on the lines.com. Matt Brown, Stephen Andrews. Where we're going to sit here and talk about the biggest movers up or down of the week. And Stephen, we kind of gave the overview last week. Here we are with at least one week, very small sample size, but one week of sample size at that anyway. And we'll talk about the biggest movers here. I mean... Listen, some of the ones I think people will probably imagine moved up. Some of the ones I think people would imagine moved down. And then I think there's at least a couple of surprises in the rankings this week. And I know for me, the exercise is fairly interesting after only one week because I was trying very, very hard to not overreact to one week of NFL football. Yeah, I mean, that's always
1: the key, right? Especially in sports betting for week number two. You don't want to overreact too much. There are a couple lines out there for week two that we'll talk about on the Thursday pod that we may want to play, even though they are teams that looked hideous in week number one. Uh, I, I agree with you. I took the same approach in my power rankings. I will say, though, the one team that was hard to ignore how bad they looked was the Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about them here in just a second. So the biggest movers up we'll start at the top here and we don't really need to belabor these teams because they, you know, these are these were teams that were close to the top anyway. uh, Teams that we were pretty high on the Browns up three to four despite the loss, the Seahawks up three to seven after the dismantling of the Colts and then the Saints up three to nine after their dismantling of the Packers. Listen, the Saints were already up there. The Seahawks were already up there. The Browns were already up there. So no real need to kind of belabor why these teams moved up. Look, the Browns look great against the best team in football. The Seahawks look great against uh, the Colts team on the road to start the year. And then saints in a neutral field, go out and hammer the Packers. So let's start with this one. The, The Cardinals move six spots up the charts here, up the rankings to number 10. So from 16 to 10 after the Cardinals go out and look, I mean, listen, as good, I think, as this Cardinals team could possibly look. I mean, absolutely perfect from top to bottom. I guess the Titans team, that, listen, I don't think any of us were jumping up and down thinking they were going to be world beaters this year, but certainly thought that they were going to be a good football team and the Cardinals just absolutely went crazy here. And Steven, this is something that I think we talked about on the Thursday pod. I told you I was going to have a piece of Cardinals plus three, ended up having a piece of Cardinals plus three this week, whenever we were talking about this. And at the end of the day, it's a long time ago and we remember what we, what we seen the closest, but the first seven weeks of last season, this Arizona Cardinals offense was spinning like a top. It was absolutely awesome. And then Kyler Murray, got hurt, his shoulder injury, and then from there on, this team was never the same. The offense was never the same. Well, he's healthy again. They add an A.J. Green, they add a Rondell Moore, and here they are looking like absolute world beaters again. And if this team actually has a defense, because now that J.J. Watt is there, you can't just double and triple team Chandler Jones. You have to account for J.J. Watt. They spent a bunch of draft capital and free agency capital on getting that linebacker core solidified as well. If this team actually has a defense, I think we could be looking at a team that could cause some people some real trouble this year.
1: I still think they're weak in the secondary, but we have seen in previous years that one of the biggest advantages you can have in the NFL is getting pressure without blitzing, right? And if they have Chandler Jones, who is the number one graded, edge defender last week he had five sacks if he's healthy and wreaking havoc you add JJ Watt to that defensive front as well who is still despite injuries in recent years one of the top 10 graded defensive linemen I mean that's a huge advantage for this defense if they're able to get pressure consistently consistently week in and week out uh, without blitzing so we already know the offense is going to be fantastic if the quarterback is healthy so Uh, This is, I think the move is, is severe to move up that many spots in our power rankings, but I also, I can't knock it
0: considering the talent that they now have when healthy. So one of the one of the uh, not a big dropper here um, while we stay in the top 10 right now, Ravens down three to eight um, after they go and lose in Las Vegas to the Raiders in spectacular fashion in overtime. Stephen, I have I was down on the Ravens before the season. If anybody listened to if anybody listened to our podcast leading into this year, everyone knows where I stand on the Ravens. I was I was bearish on them heading into the year. I continue to be bearish on this team. Now that we get. News their what their starting guard goes on IR for an offensive line that Villanueva was getting absolutely torched every single time he 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 stepped down. Lamar Jackson, according to next gen stats, Stephen, and I understand this is not sustainable, but still, in that Raiders game, was pressured on 54% of mm. his dropbacks. I mean, every other dropback he was he was feeling pressure. Um, this offensive line has has some real problems, and this run game. As we kind of alluded to, now that they are... Once you get to your fourth string guy, it is not just, hey, plug and play like it is in the NFL. Like we always talk about how running backs don't matter. Well, yeah, running backs don't matter because typically the backup is been in the system, understands what's going on, has a lot of talent, and can kind of step in and just replicate pretty much what you get from your starter. Well, they're down the backup and then the backups backup. So it's not just put in the fourth string guy and everything just works as planned. I mean, listen, they might write the ship as the season progresses here, but I think this think ra- this Ravens team is a, f- a team to fade here over at least the next few I mean, weeks. One of my
1: favorite NFL coach cliches that I've heard over the years is that the, the best ability is availability. And the Ravens don't have that right now. I mean, I just checked. They have 12 guys on IR right now, and it's only week two. Now, some of those guys will come back, like their first-round draft pick, Rashad Bateman, uh, who had core muscle surgery uh, in, in training camp. So he'll be back soon. But... They are banged up, and that is hard to overcome at key spots. And you you mentioned the offensive line, you mentioned the running backs. Uh, Marcus Peters is an enormous loss for them on the defensive side and the secondary. So, I mean, this is a tough spot for the Cardinals.
0: And Lamar Jackson, I know he was able to come back, but Marlon Humphrey went out of that game, you know, went out and back in, out and back in a couple of different times, like you mentioned. So they're already kind of thin with with Peters being down in the secondary. Now Humphrey's kind of like in and out of the game. Uh, you know, we'll see how his practice schedule looks this week and 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 how he's able to participate. But, yeah, I mean, they could be in, in even worse shape there in the secondary and a tough division, too. Right. I mean, we we
1: both are extremely Bullish on the Cleveland Browns and the roster they mm-hmm. have on that talent. We may have been a little too low on Pittsburgh with how they looked week one yeah. and being able to just uh replace the losses that they had on defense to shut down one of the best offenses in the league a year ago. So this is this is not, I mean, and you mentioned this to me last week, just reminding me that. They had to scrap and claw just to make the playoffs last year, the Baltimore Ravens. They were on the outside looking in with a month to go in the season. And they finally were able to put it together and, and get in. So um, they
0: <laughs> the injuries are going to be tough to overcome. Yeah. So I'm, that was a good segue to our biggest mover of the week is the Steelers, plus seven in the ratings uh, to up to number 13. And I think this is rightfully so. Now, look, do I think that this will be a team to sell just like we did last year over the course of the season? I do. You want to know why? Because Ben Roethlisberger still stinks. He is absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Worst graded passer, according to Pro Football Focus, in all the NFL in week one. He was unable to put the ball down the field. I and mean, the first half, whenever this, Uh, In the first half, whenever there was a little bit of wind, a little bit of unfavorable conditions, this offense could not do anything, Stephen. I'm talking this Steelers team could not do anything anything then switched a little bit and were able to turn it on and that defense really is what won this game for them a botched punt by the bills and and next thing you know here the sealers are jumping seven spots right here um for me i think i think everybody else is a little bit higher on the sealers team than i am particularly but here we have to do we have to grade on how we would 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 put these teams and how they would stack up against some other team on a neutral field. And so right now we have to put them where they are. I still believe the Steelers team is a fade team over the course of the season.
1: Yeah. If you look at the way you and I have ranked the Steelers right now, I mean, we still have teams like The Ravens and the Cardinals and the Seahawks and, you know, teams like that above them. Right. And the the teams that we have below the Steelers right now, I think we still have. Uh, a few more question marks, like the Miami Dolphins and the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos. So, I mean, they're right in that area of our power rankings where they're basically on that playoff bubble, right? And and trying to get one of those wild card spots. So, I mean, that could change as the season goes on if somehow Ben's able to stay healthy. I think that arm, like we saw last year, is going to deteriorate as the season goes on. Uh, He may prove me wrong, but I just don't have any confidence in his arm anymore over the course of an entire NFL season. And what's interesting is that, you know, we took a look on the lines.com. Brett Gibbons wrote a piece on the biggest moves in win totals, right? uh, For the season after week one, there were some big moves on there. The Steelers were off the board. They were uh, there's still some books right now. You can get uh, eight and a half over eight and a half wins at minus one oh five. But I know DraftKings Sportsbook immediately took their win total off the board Uh, Thinking they might have had it too low and they were going to get some money on the over there. But uh, I'm not overreacting to that week one win against Buffalo because this is still an offensive league. They didn't move the ball. They didn't score the ball against Buffalo. And frankly, they needed a special teams fluke touchdown to win that game.
0: The biggest movers on the downside. It's a tie between the Titans and the Patriots. Titans down seven to sixteen. Patriots down seven to eighteen. This is my biggest, I think. Um if we're if we're really trying to pick out, I think the ones where I feel maybe we were a little harsh over the course of this. I think it's maybe the—I uh, didn't have the Patriots as high in the first place, so it wasn't as big of a drop for me, right, on the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So maybe we were just a little high on the Patriots to begin the season as it was um, with all of that. Now, the Titans dropping 7-16, to 16, I can also kind of get with, because when we take a look here, Stephen, at what does Titans team— what we were really going to be needing from them was a powerful offense. We figured the defense was going to be a little bit suspect, so we needed the offense to be able to be a team that puts up points on the board and then you don't have to rely on your defense. Well, they did not have either of those here in week one. Now, will they write the ship again? One week sample size? Sure. They certainly could. However, as we sit here right now, what we saw and what we were able to consume with our eyes, um, I think this is a rightful drop for, for 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 this Titans team as well? The offensive line was
1: the biggest red flag in week one for me. I mean, they, again, allowing those five sacks to Chandler Jones in, in Arizona, they were the second worst graded pass blocking line. Uh, but last year, they, that was a struggle for them as well. I mean, even in 2020, they were 28th in pass blocking grade by PFF. So this was a team that relied heavily on Derrick Henry. It's such such a strange thing, right? For an offensive line. Last year they were 28th in pass blocking grade, but they were top five in run blocking grade, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to probably go back to their bread and butter a little bit more here and try and 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 go heavy with Derrick Henry and and rely on the play action a little bit more. Um so we'll see what happens with them, but to me, the Patriots side of things, I think we are maybe overreacting a little bit to that with a rookie quarterback in week one and a bunch of new parts in place. And and Had the ball to go win the game, fumble, and then, that. you know, yeah, yeah. Down one point in field goal range and they fumbled. And and last time I checked, Bill Belichick won't let that happen again because he'll just put somebody in that's not fumbling instead of putting that same player back in the game if he has to. So wouldn't shock me in the least if J.J. <laughs> Taylor is the leading running back in week two this point so i'm not i'm not i did move the patriots down a little bit with a home loss but uh it wouldn't shock me in the least if later in the season the rematch of this game that they take care of miami
0: so the other big fallers here and i just just let me know if any of these you either do that you disagree with colts down five to twenty vikings down five to twenty three jags down four to dead last thirty two and then the giants were down three to twenty seven um any of those you you disagree with or which one of those four to kind of end the biggest fallers stands out to you?
1: I think it's the Giants. Um, I don't yeah. disagree with the move down. I think Daniel Jones, I mean, how many chances is this guy going to get to correct the fumbling issues and correct the turnover issues and he just mm-hmm. can't friggin' figure it out, right? And this is supposed to be the easiest division in the NFL coming into this season – And I saw a Philadelphia Eagles team week one that looked a hell of a lot better than most people expected because they're healthy and they didn't get rid of their high priced older talent this offseason, despite all of the the narratives that the Eagles were rebuilding. So the New York Giants are in trouble in my mind. Um, They got to go on a short week here on Thursday night on the road to face Washington. And even though. Ryan Fitzpatrick is out. I think Taylor Heineke steps in nicely for them. He's got experience. And I think he, I was pretty impressed with him in the playoff game last year. So, Mm -hmm. and I think the Giants just offensively have so many red flags, most notably with that offensive line. It was one of, if not the worst projected offensive lines coming into this season. And, And they didn't, they didn't show anything on offense in the first week.
0: I think the one that stands out to me is the Colts down five to 20. And that's only because... At least for one week I was right. If anybody <laughs> listened to these podcasts, everybody knows how much I hated this Colts team entering this season and how much I thought they were overrated headed into the season. So at least for one week, I'm right on that one. Uh the other biggest risers here of the week, Dolphins up four to fifteen, Broncos up four to seventeen, Eagles up five to twenty-two, and then the Bengals up three to 26. I think the one that stands out to both of us probably is that Eagles up 5 to 22. It was one of the most complete performances of any of the teams all week. Now again, we need to see it again. We need to see it replicated, but Jalen Hurts, one of the highest graded quarterbacks in the NFL according to Pro Football Focus for the entire week. The run blocking and the pass blocking was very, very good for this team. The defensive line played very well as well. Now show it to me again in week two, show it to me again in week three, but uh, Um, I think that the 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 complete performance from the Eagles is what really stood out to me the most, kind of as you just alluded to a second ago. The rest of our staff
1: doesn't have the Eagles higher than 22. You and I have them at 18 and 19. So you and I are the biggest believers in the Eagles. Wouldn't shock me in the least if they stay healthy if they are competing and possibly winning the NFC East this year. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. The biggest advantage you can have in today's NFL on defense is being able to pressure the quarterback without blitzing. The Eagles were one of the best teams at doing that last year. They did it again week one, headlined by Fletcher Cox on that defensive line. So that helps take the pressure off the back end of that secondary, which I do think... Is improved as well. Darius Slay to me is a guy who is on the downward slope of his career, but adding Steven Nelson, a guy that has graded out very well in the secondary in previous seasons, was a sneaky good pickup by Howie Roseman. I think the Eagles have a a chance to surprise a lot of people this year if they stay healthy. And and lastly, I'll just say Nick Sirianni to me, really impressed with how creative his offensive designs were, some pre-snap motions. Really impressed with what I saw from the Eagles as a whole week one. Although we'll see, it may have been against one of the worst teams in the league. That's to be determined.
0: Guys, all of our power rankings, you head over to thelines.com. Absolutely free. Just look under the NFL tab at the top of there. You will see NFL power rankings. Be sure and go in. And listen, these are these are these are something that you can help help you kind of nar- get a narrative for these teams as a season continues and goes on this is something you can use to as you are are formulating you know hey is this team really that much better than this team what are the what are the people think? this is a way that you can go in and kind of get a, a a snapshot of what again multiple people this is not just steven and i we have five six different guys ra- rankings uh, all that are aggregated and, and make up our power rankings over on the lines and so uh guys that are watching games every single week guys like me who are watching all the games and then rewatching all the condensed versions of the games. I mean, this is, this is, this is not something that's thrown together willy nilly here. And so uh, hopefully it can help you out through the course of the season. Steven, we are uh, one week in and we, I don't, I I, will, we'll talk about this on the big megapod tomorrow for people who are going to be listening in your, let's just do this though. As we head out of here real quick, your one biggest takeaway from week one in the NFL. That's a good one. Um, I think my biggest
1: takeaway is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the most complete roster in the NFL. And quite frankly, I know it took a field goal to win week one at the last second, but they were able to win despite four
0: turnovers. So Mm -hmm. imagine if they clean that up. So. kind of the same thing with me is mine is the chiefs and the Browns are every bit as good as we thought they were going to be. And that game in week one was just a prelude to what we're going to see over the course of the season. That game played out like it did with the chiefs, not having Teron Matthew or Frank Clark out on the field, on the defensive side of the ball, that game played out like it did with the Browns, not having Grant Delpit on defense and not having Odell Beckham on offense. These teams are only going to get healthier and only going to get better over the next couple of weeks and these I think that both of those teams are going to be absolute juggernauts Um, and you know if you were a Chiefs hater and you want you thought that maybe this was a year they were going to take a step back or something like that I uh I got news for you that ain't happening I have one more takeaway that
1: Urban Meyer quite possibly is stealing money from
0: the cops he might be doing that as well i don't know he might be the first coach relieved of his duties when it's all said (laughs) and done as we said we'll be back with the megapod with brad allen tomorrow guys we're going to run through every single game give you all of our bets all of our prop bets and all of our thoughts on this we had a really good week one if you were uh if you were listening in if there were some things that stood out to you we were we had a profitable week one here we're going to try to continue that here in week two for steven i'm matt talk to you guys tomorrow.